Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, the founder of Influencer Marketing and Branded Content Agency, Hollywood Branded. This podcast provides brand marketers a learning platform for top experts to share their insights and knowledge on topics which make a direct impact on your business today. While it is impossible to be well-versed on every topic and strategy that can improve bottom line results, my goal is to help you avoid making costly mistakes of time, energy, or money, whether you are doing a DIY approach or hiring an expert to help. Let's begin today's discussion. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacy Jones. I'm so happy to be here with you all today. I want to give a very warm welcome to Sam Underwood of Future Team, a data analytics and CRM agency out of Columbus, Ohio. Sam is the VP of Business Strategy with expertise within digital marketing, online and consumer research, communication strategy consulting, and business development, which helps their clients derive insights from data to predict customer behavior and deliver smarter, faster marketing programs. Today, we're going to talk about Sam's two rules of fishing. You can't catch fish where there aren't fish and don't leave fish to find fish and how these rules can be applied to marketing a business product or service. We'll learn what's worked from Sam's experience, what maybe could be avoided if you were doing this by yourself and where other brands are missing the mark. Sam, welcome. Thanks, Stacey. Excited to be here today. We are super thrilled to have you. I know our listeners are going to find lots of value from what you're going to be sharing today. And can you tell us a little bit how long you've been doing what you do, a little bit about your background, where you were at, and what got you to where you're doing what you're doing today? Absolutely, Stacey. We're happy to be uh, to talk to that. So um, here at, uh, at Futurity, I've been at Futurity for uh, about two years now. Uh, we are, um, as Stacey said, a uh, I started up here in Columbus, Ohio, working on uh, uh, marketing and data analytics. Uh, so I've been with Futurity about two years now uh, in my role here uh, on the business strategy side of things. Uh, prior to joining Futurity, I worked with uh, a uh, large organization called Alliance Data, again, here in Columbus, Ohio, working with uh, a, over 100 uh, different uh, credit card brands uh, to do a lot of data analytics around their marketing programs, looking at what the, uh, the best uh, demographics, psychographics, uh, behavioral predictors may be uh, for someone to be a really great customer, a loyal customer for uh, a credit brand and for a retail brand. And prior to that, uh, I worked with an agency uh, right here in Columbus uh, called Web Marketing, uh, doing uh, online and digital marketing uh, with a major focus in both social media and digital analytics as well. That's awesome. You have quite a bit of digital experience, it seems. We certainly try, yep. <laughs> You've accomplished that. So one of the things that really caught my attention were your two rules, right? You can't catch fish when there aren't fish and don't leave fish to find fish. Can you share a little bit more about that for our listeners? Absolutely. So this is, uh, there's uh, a couple of different ways we can take both of these rules. Um, they are, uh, first of all, great rules for fishing, um, if I could say so myself. Um, I grew up uh, spending a lot of time uh, camping and traveling to uh, a family place that uh, my family has uh, in uh, northern Ontario. And uh, what we found was uh, there's a lot more to fishing than just uh, having the, the right bait or going to even the right spot of the lake. Uh, it all depends on the weather. It depends on the time of the day. Uh, it depends on the time of the year. Um, and so, you know, when, when you find just speaking of fishing, you find the spot where the fish are biting, um, you, you want to learn something from that. Likewise, if you are out there all day and you get skunked and you're coming in and you're sunburned and all the beer cans are empty, uh, at the same time, you, uh, you definitely learn something there too. So, 
you know, as we uh, take kind of a an annual uh, trip up to uh, up to the the family cottage up there in Ontario, it uh, it kind of occurred to me, you know, a lot of the things that that I learned, for better or for worse, uh, on the fishing boat apply pretty well to both uh, uh, more of my focus here in the marketing world, uh, but also on product development, service development, that sort of thing. Um, so at a high level, um, you can't catch fish with art fish. This kind of goes without saying, but, you know, for, for us as marketers, I think we've all probably had um, that project or that client or that initiative where uh, maybe we worked on it for a few weeks, uh, did a lot of outreach, did a lot of marketing campaigns, whatever it may be, and finally just kind of looked at ourselves in the mirror and said, I'm not sure that there's a buyer here. I'm not sure that there is a market here. Um, in the same way, um, the, the kind of uh, uh, counterpoint to that, the second rule there, don't leave fish to find fish. We've all, again, been a part of uh, something where we're marketing or we're developing a product, and we roll out the campaign or roll out the product, and we say to ourselves, wow, there is really a hot market for what we're finding here in the same way that you might be uh, fishing and you toss the line over the boat and you uh, have maybe kind of not so great bait on there and the fish go crazy. Sometimes you just have the right spot, the right time of day, the, the way the sun is striking the water, whatever it is. Um, and uh, you've just really hit on something special. So, you know, we kind of apply these rules of, of fishing in our personal lives. Uh, over to uh, kind of the marketing and product development world and have seen a lot of benefit from thinking about things and simpli- uh, simplifying things in both of these ways. So with you can't catch fish where there aren't fish. And you mentioned the fact that, you know, a lot of us will go and spin a lot of wheels trying to make something happen that there's just absolutely no market for. At what point do you find that people need to take a step back and say, okay, this is defeating. This isn't working. We've given it our all. When should they actually find a new fishing hole? Absolutely. Stacey, that is in some cases, literally the million dollar question. Uh, what we, what we love to do and kind of what we advocate for here at Futurity is to, to not just uh, make, uh, I guess you could say an emotional decision about it. Um, you know, something that, that either you've worked for on the marketing side in a campaign or even as a, a product owner worked to develop a product over months and years, it's pretty easy to say either, oh, this I rolled it out a month ago and it's been enough time and it's just not going to work. And likewise, it's easy to say, no, I've spent three years of my life on this, so I'm going to spend 10 years of my life trying to push this. You know, to take a step back and, and look at the data that you have available. Um, I think the, the great benefit to, again, both product development and uh, marketing campaign development these days is there's so much data available, and, and sometimes it's almost too much data. But wading through that data, looking at what are those most important data points that can help you make an informed decision uh, is uh, definitely the direction that we uh, always or almost always advocate for. Uh, our, our view here at Futurity, uh, share amongst our team, is that for, for us as marketers, you know, for us as the folks who are kind of at that, that uh, the front lines, I guess you could say, where the consumer meets the product, the product meets the consumer. We're in the best position to diagnose any kind of mismatch between the product and the consumer. You know, we're, we're talking to consumers sometimes literally every day. We're putting campaigns, we're putting wording, uh, imagery, uh, all kinds of campaign variables in front of that consumer and seeing what works. So for us as marketers, you know, it's, it's, it almost can be easy sometimes to get 
a little bit arrogant and say, oh, this product is never going to work. We've done the testing. We've done the campaigns. It's not going to work. And I think the, the way that, that we can kind of position that a little bit better is to say, you know, yes, we are in a great position to, to help our clients understand when a product is or isn't going to work. But how can we be more of a partner to them, use the campaign data that we have to say, hey, you know what, this isn't working, but here's a way that it would work. Here's a way that we can all be successful together. Let's change the size or change the color. Or maybe there's a market here. Maybe there's, uh, you know, we're marketing to uh, an older demographic or a different uh, geographic area than we should be or something like that. How can we use the data, in short, that we have available as marketers uh, that our consumers have told us by their behavior and use that to inform product development or whatever it may be? And so with all of that data that you put together, is that something that you as your team will actually strategize and come to the client and say, hey, you know, you're not seeing the results that you're looking for. Our team put together some thoughts around this. This is where we think you should be going. This is the direction we think you should be doing in general. Is that something that you do all the time? Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's honestly, you know, we. A lot of us here uh, on the team are, are uh, you could say our roots are in uh, just kind of the, the straight ahead marketing execution. So for a lot of us, you know, we've been there, done that on, um, at least to some extent, on things like Facebook campaigns and Google ads and that sort of thing, comfortable there. What we almost love to do even more is to say, okay, let's, let's develop a campaign that's really excellent. Well, let's also uh, apply the learnings from this campaign over uh, to whatever it is that we're actually marketing. Uh, so one of the things, uh, like I think I, I may have mentioned before, one of the things that we really, really enjoy is almost looking at our marketing channels as if they are a, a essentially a live updating focus group. So if we're running an ad campaign, we're putting an ad in front of uh, thousands of people a day, whether they click or don't click or call or don't call from that ad, that tells us something about that product. I mean, that, that informs a ton about did they like the color that this image was versus the color of this image. We almost, you know, it's, it, would be, it would be an exaggeration to say we don't need to do product research because of course we absolutely do. But that is an excellent supplement to a really dynamic product research strategy. When we can put an ad in front of, again, thousands of people, millions of people a day or a week and say, hey, this is what works, this is what doesn't. When we use this color, this wording, whatever, they click or they call. When we don't, they don't. That, that tells us something there. So. Yeah, we absolutely love doing that, um, and that is definitely a uh, kind of a marketing kind of a, a, a direction for the marketing community as a whole that we have seen has a ton of growth potential. And that is literally making sure that you're doing online and consumer research every single moment of the day with whatever marketing tactic that you're testing out, where you're actually pausing and taking a step back to analyze the data that's been presented to you. That's that's right on there, Stacey. Yeah, we. We love to kind of uh, do whether it's a, a daily, weekly, monthly deep dive. And even if it's just kind of looking at, you know, what headlines did we use? That can take five minutes to kind of go through and diagnose that. Uh, what pictures did we use? What pictures did we not use if things went really poor or really well? Um, you know, what, what are some of those little variables? Um, it can take literally five minutes a week. And sometimes you can say, hey, wait a second. I just realized we had an awesome week and we changed the wording to do this. Maybe we're on to something. So, yeah, absolutely. There's tons of insights that that we love to derive that can be applied across much more than just the marketing world. 
And I'm sure this is much like if you're in the forest, it's hard to see the trees. So having someone who is an expert who's outside the box to be able to look over your data and your information can sometimes bring in some additional insight as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and one story I can share relevant to that, we love to, to share this, uh, this anecdote. So we, um, we work here at Futurity with a brand that is especially made for uh, childhood dehydration. So um, it's typically marketed to a parent with a young child, maybe ages two to five or so. It's pretty narrow demographic there. Uh, for decades, honestly, this product has been almost exclusively marketed to parents, saying when your kid is sick, when your child has the flu, and just you just the, the child just can't hold anything down. They're just you know really really sick. Uh, give them this product, and and they'll most likely first of all hold it down, but it'll also help them uh, rehydrate even better than water. So, one thing we saw working with this client, um, just I think it was last year, we realized you know there's there's obviously a ton of market for that. I mean kids are kids continue to get sick. Um, there is plenty of germs to go around in every elementary school uh, in the country. Uh, but um, another potential market for this product, there's a ton of people online on Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, you name it, uh, who are talking about how they are in college. Maybe it's a college student. They had a blast on Friday night. They were out late. They had a few drinks, maybe a few more drinks and a few more drinks. And they woke up and brought some of this product uh, Saturday morning when they weren't feeling so great. Um, and it helped them rehydrate and get back on their feet and get ready for exams on Monday morning faster than anything. So wait a second, maybe there's a secondary market here. And it was something that this brand hadn't really considered. They certainly had noticed that before. Um, but what we were able to do, of course, in partnership with them, is to kind of say, wait a second, maybe, maybe we can not only market this product to kind of this this secondary market, maybe we can even market this product in a way that uh, they're, uh, they're two very distinct consumer groups don't even realize that it's being marketed to the other group. If you're a mom with a sick kid, you probably don't want your kid taking necessarily a hangover cure. That, that seems a little strange. And if you're a, a college student, you don't necessarily want to be uh, drinking a product that is actually kind of made for a three-year-old. That, that seems a little odd, too. But if you only ever see messages that are about, hey, this is a great hangover cure, and this is great for your kids when they're sick, uh, you know, the beauty of digital is we can target things so specifically that a mom may never realize this product is marketed to a, uh, to a college student and vice versa. So um, tons of opportunity for us to, you know, use a lot of the data that we as marketers have right at our disposal um, to make really interesting, at the very least, interesting, if not useful, uh, insights about uh, product positioning, product development, that sort of thing. Yes, and I'm sure it's always great to have all that data behind you as well to be able to go into the brand where there's executives who might be a little bit more cautious and concerned about making switches like what you are yeah. mentioning um, so that you can really see the potential of what the market could be and having that insight helps support that for a new brand launch. Absolutely, and you know, if if I'm an executive, I put my shoes in the executive at a, a Fortune 500 international company, something like that, and I have, uh, you know, in our case, a, uh, a small startup here in Columbus, Ohio, saying, hey, you know, we have an idea for your multi-million dollar product that might make it even better. I'm, I'm going to be a little nervous. I mean, that's, that's a big ask. So, you know, for us, it's, we, we try to avoid things, uh, saying things like, oh, I feel like or I think. 
we really try to say things like, well, the data shows or uh, our consumers are telling us something like that. Um, because at the heart of it, you know, for us as marketers and, and researchers, it, it doesn't really matter what we think. If we feel like, hey, this product could do really well if you positioned it this way or that way, it, that's kind of immaterial. It's kind of irrelevant. But if we have data that says, wait a second, we can position this product in a way that it could really take off, you know, that way we can partner with our clients to make a decision together. Maybe the data is wrong. Maybe there's an even greater story to be told. But starting with the data allows us to all make an informed decision together rather than just taking risks that maybe we don't need to take. Maybe we could take risks elsewhere, but we can rely on more sure things using that data to, to take some more, uh, some more kind of calculated uh, steps to be successful here together. And then on to the topic of don't leave fish to find fish. I know I myself am excellent at seeing something bright and sparkly and being like, oh, maybe we should go get check out that bright, sparkly thing. Uh, yep. So that's a common mistake that marketers make. And, you know, when we find a market and we're there and we see something that might could, you know, potentially be even better it's really hard to not jump in and, and race over to that new market to try to test it out. What is your counsel to uh, brand managers to help them, you know, either stay the course or what are your suggestion, your suggested ways on actually taking the steps to test out that other fishing hole while still keeping a pole in the one that you have? Absolutely. And that is, that is, again, Stacey, that's a great question. Uh, so for us, like you said, for us as, as marketers and, and just as people, really, I mean, we naturally gravitate towards what's new, what's shiny, what, what has this great promise, the greener grass, what's just over the hillside, whatever it might be. We as people just, we, we love going for the new shinier thing that looks like it could solve all our problems and, and make all our dreams come true. And every now and then that's the case. I mean, that's true. But, uh, you know, for a lot of times that it, the promise just isn't quite what it looks like. So. For us, more specifically as marketers, you know, we, we definitely counsel those who are thinking about, well, maybe I should pivot, maybe I should try a new market. You know, a lot of times there's, there's more, again, more data that can be used to help make that decision. Sometimes we take that for granted. There's more data available than sometimes we realize. So uh, in several cases that I could list off, we have, we've had clients look at, uh, you know, maybe this is a, a product that just isn't quite working. Uh, this is a product that seems pretty good, but it's, it's working okay. You know, things are kind of going okay. We're growing maybe a few percentage points a year, but our investors kind of want to see double digits, something like that. And sometimes the, the, the change that needs to be made is not necessarily, hey, let's enter a new market. Uh, let's go into uh, uh, totally different branding. Sometimes the change is just, it's very, very subtle. You know, it's, do you want to change the color of your product? Do you want to change, you know, maybe just kind of what words you're using in your product descriptions or in your, uh, your ad headlines or whatever it may be. Uh, and it really doesn't require huge monumental changes. And what we've found over the years that, that all of us on the team have done uh, kind of data driven marketing is that there is data out there that can indicate that uh, maybe you're a, a consumer products uh, company and you've got a, a whole product catalog on your website, well, maybe one of the things that can be used to uh, derive your next step as a business is, is not necessarily what you're reading on the news, although that's a good source. It's not necessarily what you think might be a good market, although that definitely has some, some value to it. 
maybe the next step is to go on your website and say, just what products do people seem to spend the most time looking at? Maybe they're not quite buying because it's kind of a new market that's a little bit untested, but are there certain products, certain product descriptions, certain product colors or sizes, whatever it might be, that you have a lot of people coming on there dwelling a long time on those products? Even if they're not buying, that indicates interest. That indicates that that might be a product or a set of products that has, there's, there's something there. There's some kind of promise there. Uh, that maybe we can kind of look into a little bit. Maybe we develop a pilot, we do an MVP, something like that, and see, you know, let's, let's vet this out. Maybe there is something there. So, you know, at the end of the day, if we're looking to, to drive major growth, there is inevitably going to be risk that has to be taken. There's, there's nothing, nothing great that's ever been done without some level of risk uh, having been undertaken prior to that. But how can we use data to be a little bit more sure of what that risk is and know what risk we should take, most importantly? Um, we feel there's a ton of opportunity in that, whether it's analytics data, website analytics data, product sales data, anywhere in between. Uh, there's tons of ways we can look at that and, and help our, our clients and um, even just in the marketing world, help our clients overall uh, to be more informed before they jump into a major decision like that. Well, I think that you make data sound a lot more sexy than a lot of us listening. <laughs> we, feel. we try. We love to think that way. Yep. <laughs> Are there any typical data analytics that are not always as revealing as others? Like, are there there certain things you should be looking for that are going to Mm. reveal more than other types of data? You know, that's that's a great question, Stacey. One thing we love to look at, uh, and we're, again, just beginning down this path, but one thing that, that we love to look at is mapping out not just a, a, I guess you could say, a point-in-time interaction. And what I mean by that is not just looking at what marketing channel works the best, although that is valuable. Um, Let's look at not only what marketing channel works best, but the entire customer journey from start to finish. So uh, one of our clients right now, we're working on mapping out uh, their uh, entire consumer journey from impression to click, in this case, they're a, a, a facilitator of college applications, impression to click to starting the application to being reminded about finishing the application, actually finishing the application. And so one thing that, that at least in our experience, has not been perhaps fully explored in the marketing and data world is not only what, what marketing channels work the best or what times of day those variables in isolation but how do all those things together uh, help us to be smarter, more effective, more successful together with our clients? So for this one client in particular, uh, again, they, they, uh, they're kind of a, uh, I guess you could describe them as a, a common application for college, uh, prospective college applicants in the art space. So they recruit uh, potential art students, whether it be music or visual art or theater or whatever, across the country, around the world, and help them find uh, what college may be best for them. We work with this client uh, to match up how many uh, impressions does a prospective student need to see for this college before they then click, how many times do they need to click and view the landing page before they apply, and then how many emails should we send to that person when they've completed 10% of the application, when they've completed 50% of the application, when they're so close and all they have to do is submit their $10 payment to submit the application, how many emails should we send them? Should we maybe serve them Facebook ads or not? Is that overbearing? 
how can we kind of track people all the way through that marketing funnel and make sure that we're being really, really smart about when we contact them, when we don't contact them because they're talking to their parents and maybe need some time to think about it. Um, and how can we just overall uh, kind of uh, look at that entire journey? So I guess I would say in response to your question there, Stacey, that the big thing that perhaps is, is overlooked um, is looking at multiple variables together. Um, you know, it's, it's certainly not the easiest thing to do to kind of do a, uh, a multivariate analysis like that. Uh, but sometimes, you know, you look at uh, your, uh, your clients or your partner's uh, marketing mix and things come to light that you would never have seen otherwise. Um, and that has really made all the difference in a few projects we've worked on. And with that, I mean, I know you guys are so entrenched with data analytics and also um, CRMs so that you actually have systems in place um, to be able to track all of this. What is your viewpoint and how do you help, you know, companies understand that importance of putting in some sort of CRM system um, to their websites to better communication as well as, you know, we'll have clients sometimes who are like, oh, well, I have a CRM, it's MailChimp, which isn't quite the same thing, but it gives you a lot of data too. I mean, is there a level sure. that someone needs to have and get to and invest in in order to get all of this awesome insight material that we've been talking about? Absolutely. Yeah. When, when we're talking about CRM, you know, they're, they're for better or for worse, there is, there is no one size fits all. That's, that's both the, the beauty and sometimes the downside of, of exploring that type of solution. But, you know, we have, we have clients right now that use everything from premium, deluxe, whatever you want to call it, the very, very highest levels of things like Salesforce, Marketo, Cardup, that sort of thing, the premium tools, all the way down, like you said, to the MailChimps and the, the smaller, um, quote-unquote, CRMs of the world, where we're just sending an email once a week, we got a newsletter, something like that. Um, and we have clients that are being very successful using that full range of tools. Um, we have a couple of them that are, you know, right now they're, they're using MailChimp or they're using um, eye contact as a popular one amongst our clients. Uh, and they've done great things with it. Uh, we have a few that are using, again, the huge tools and doing great things with it. But if we were to swap those and the big ones use the, uh, the small tools, there'd be some dissatisfaction. If the small ones use the big tools, there would be um, a lot of dissatisfaction as well. So I think, you know, when we look at, using CRM to be smarter. Um, one of the, the thoughts that comes to mind for me is, you know, the, the CRM is, is essentially the, the, the messenger. We want to make sure that whatever platform we're adopting, whether it's anything from a, you know, a Salesforce marketing cloud all the way down to a MailChimp, that it's appropriate for us as a business. But what really powers that, um, like we've talked about, is the data behind it. One of the most powerful sources of data to fuel that CRM program that we use uh, on our side is perhaps the simplest of all. It's just Google Analytics. Uh, we can use that to say what demographics are most engaged with us, uh, what demographics are least engaged with us, what parts of the country, parts of the world are most and least engaged. Um, you know, if someone's engaging on the website, chances are they're going to be at least somewhat similarly engaged by email or, or not engaged. Um, so how can we kind of break that down by demographic, psychographic variables, that sort of thing. Um, and how can we use that to understand what kind of tool we should have? If all of our different variables are engaging about the same different ages, genders, locations, 
they all seem relatively happy with our product. Maybe just kind of sending out a weekly newsletter is just fine. Uh, if we need to do a little more differentiation or we've got big goals, maybe doing a drip campaign with some triggers and using a bigger tool is, is a little better solution. So um, I guess the, the, the short answer is it just kind of runs the range. Um, but as we look at the different tools, there's definitely a purpose uh, and a reason uh, to consider each one. Okay. And are there anything that people should be aware of that, you know, CRMs won't give them insight on? Is there, you know, certain information that people typically hope for and expect from a CRM, but that they're just not going to be able to get from that? Yeah, I think, you know, probably one of the, one of the biggest things that, that we see, um, at least right now, is I think there's, uh, there's a, a lot of, at least, interest in the marketing community in a CRM that would connect really well with both your website and your uh, internal uh, uh, CRM database. So maybe you're using Salesforce as, a share, as your CRM, but you've licensed uh, perhaps a, a small uh, email platform uh, to send emails to those folks. In some cases, those won't really natively connect. So you may send an email to a thousand prospective customers uh, and find that uh, uh, who clicks and who doesn't, who opens and who doesn't, there's no real way to tie that together with who has purchased in your database. So that's probably the, the biggest thing that we see that, you know, our customers look back and say, oh, whoops, I thought it would do that and it didn't. Um, some of the other things that we see, you know, even with some of the big tools, uh, again, just unifying data can be a real challenge. So um, even uh, licensing and leveraging some of the biggest tools in the market just because they're an industry leader and for good reason in most cases, just because they're an industry leader doesn't mean that they're going to kind of natively interface with uh, your, again, your Google analytics, uh, your, uh, your sales tools, your prospecting tools, that sort of thing. Sometimes it just requires a developer to connect those things. And I think as the market matures, that'll probably uh, start to be a little bit more of a kind of a, a basic integration that that's, um, started to be taken for granted. It's going to be something that's um, much more common. Uh, but right now, uh, even some of the, the nicest, best tools in the market just have a little bit of a, a, a workflow to get them to integrate really nicely with, uh, with other internal platforms that a lot of our customers use. So that's probably the, the, one, the one thing that I would uh, just caution against is before licensing a tool, buying a tool, whatever it may be, just make sure that the the, uh, the effort and the lift required to integrate that with something else to make your marketing really, really smart, that that is well understood and well documented and, and everybody's very clear about how much work that may be to get that integration to happen. Yeah, I know that with our agency, I am all about technology. And I think that sometimes my team just looks at me and rolls their eyes. Uh, we started using HubSpot years ago, um, really as a solution, not just for inbound marketing and lead gen, but because it was a really easy platform to get people to be able to blog on. And it was a very expensive mm -hmm. tool for that service. But it allowed us to do blogging and have it be turnkey. And, you know, from there we were able to build out all of our landing pages and offers and tracking and really take it to that next level. And I still think that we probably only use it to about 60% of its capacity. But what I've learned is as technology continues to evolve, so we use Monday for project management, we use, you know, MailChimp for large blasts, we use all these different things where there's cool tools like Zapier which connect everything and allow you to actually have even more insights or just people 
touching all of your databases that you are adding on to less so that the information is flowing back and forth. And yep. I think that's where the big win is for companies also is to understand that technology is here to help you, but there's actually additional technology that makes it all come together and be even more yep. helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, that's, um, you mentioned that here. That's, that's one that we have used uh, with great results. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a great point, Stacey. You know, sometimes we, we have so much technology that we think that the solution to unify the technology is a manual process. And sometimes the solution to unify the technology is, is more technology, um, which of course can be a challenge to manage and to, uh, to maintain and that sort of thing. But sometimes there's great benefits too. So yeah, that's, that's right on. Yeah. And I think that you also have to have the right mindsets of employees who are supposed to be managing those processes and systems or agency uh, partnerships, because it's not something that just anyone can sit down. I mean, it's amazing to me, the members of our team who just completely embrace technology and they understand it and it's almost intuitive and it has nothing to do with age. And it's certainly, you know, a right brain, left brain and processes based. So finding that on your team of who can actually be that lead is going to be incredibly important for everyone too. Absolutely. And you know, one of, one of the, one of the things that, uh, that we throw around here in our office, uh, of course, back in, back in, we call them the good old days of uh, the early days of SEO, maybe 2006, 2007. We used to say, you know, that the day that you, that you tell someone you fully understand how Google ranks a website is the day that you need to look in the mirror and, and have some humility in the same way today the day that uh, you think you know uh, exactly how to integrate marketing systems and make everything work and sync and talk to each other is again the day that you need to say, okay, maybe there's actually some things that I don't know that I don't know. So a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of what we found uh, uh, to unify a lot of these systems is really just that willingness to learn. Uh, HubSpot's going to update tomorrow with no notice and all of a sudden we're going to have to rewrite all of our scripts to automate things. Uh, Salesforce is going to roll out a new integration or, acquire yet another company uh, that's going to require us to, to update things and probably for the better. Um, but ideally the, the person managing that is someone who just loves to learn, loves to dive into something and learn a new coding language or a new process or learn how to use a new tool or something like that. So yeah, exactly. Um, the, the, the day that we stop learning with this kind of stuff is the day that, that we're probably going to be a whole lot less effective because that is such a huge piece of, of staying up to date on this stuff. Yeah. And when your team is looking at hiring on and finding people who are so data driven and processed oriented, like, you know, you just mentioned all the things that you need to look out for, but how do you find those people? Like, how do you actually sit there and figure out if a person really is that able minded to embrace, you know, really, a lot of metrics and being able to get a logical conclusion from point A to point B of what it actually means and who loves doing it. Absolutely. You know, what's, what's really interesting there, Stacey, is we've, we found we have a, a team uh, here in our office of about 10 people. Mm -hmm. uh, and what we found so far is that the, uh, the, the, um, in, in the hiring process, we love to talk to people uh, who uh, just love to solve problems. Um, there's certainly a, you know, a, a kind of a threshold of whether it be uh, working with uh, technology or working with data or working with marketing tools. That definitely is, you know, there's, there's kind of a baseline there. Um, but one of the things that, that we love uh, 
either uh, for hiring or for working even with partners in some cases. It's just the, the genuine enjoyment of solving problems, whether they be technology problems, whether they be, again, like we talked about earlier, product development problems, how can we use data to, to identify what products are going to be the best to market or fastest or whatever it may be. So, you know, once we've kind of identified that, yes, this person is, maybe they're Google Analytics certified or uh, they're HubSpot certified or they have however many years of experience, whatever tool that, that the role would require, you know, from there, it's kind of how much do they love to, to just kind of be a partner and, and help our clients just solve problems. Um, a lot of our clients come to us and they're looking to solve one problem and to solve that problem, you kind of have to solve five others. Uh, so, you know, how can we solve those five others before we get to the one that really is kind of the, the end of the day problem and solution for them? Well, that requires someone who, as you could expect, uh, just enjoys solving problems, even if that requires solving 10 more problems than you thought. What do you think the future is going to bring as regards to how all of this is going to evolve over the years? Sure. So I think, you know, one thing that, that I think is, is probably going to evolve, and I, I say this uh, literally crossing my fingers as I, as I sit here and say this, is that a lot of these systems are going to start to talk to each other a little bit better. Uh, I think the days of, uh, you know, a, a marketing department or a communications department, or even uh, just a, a business operations department, licensing maybe one or two tools, uh, and then um, just kind of being okay if they don't talk to each other, those days are, are gone. Uh, that's, that's long gone. So our hope, I, I don't know that I would say it's an expectation, but our, our optimistic hope is that going forward, things like I mentioned before, things like Salesforce, um, uh, Microsoft Dynamics, uh, uh, HubSpot, Google Analytics, whatever they may be, are going to be a little bit easier to integrate. Um, I don't know what that will look like. Maybe that's uh, a particular suite of tools that uh, is a little bit more uh, friendly to uh, someone who has limited or no coding knowledge. Uh, maybe it is some type of common language that allows a lot of these tools to kind of unify themselves. And I'm not sure what that'll look like. But that's kind of, again, kind of our, our optimistic hope is that, you know, as all of us as marketers, are adding more and more layers of tools for good reason every year that they start to communicate and, and kind of think with each other a little bit better. So um, I think that's something that the market is going to start to demand. It really already is. But I think as more people get on board with kind of the, you could call it the, uh, the democratization of data where everybody wants to see the data, wants to use data every day to make uh, little to big decisions. I think that's going to be something the market starts to demand and, we're certainly hoping that that's something the market responds to with tools that, that sync up a little bit easier and say, hey, we can all, we can all get along here a little bit better um, to help our clients, in this case, the tools clients, um, be more productive with their tools and be smarter with them as well. So that's the way we're hoping it'll go. Uh, we'll certainly wait and see. We've, we've been wrong many times before, and um, I'm sure we will be again, but um, that's, that's kind of the, the hope that we have right now. As long as there are more tools being developed, there are going to be even more of a need for agency like yours to hold it all together. Absolutely, yeah. You know, there's uh, one of the, I guess you can, you can look at the, uh, the old saying, the more things change, the more they stay the same, the more they stay the same, the more they change. Um, you know, as much as maybe in the future, all these tools will talk to each other and, and agencies like ours will, uh, you know, will have, I guess one less, one less service we're offering because all of a sudden, hey, wait a second, everything just integrates. That gives us more time to do things like analysis, like helping with product development, that sort of thing. So 
um, yeah, we're, we're excited for the future. We're excited for, uh, you know, the, the things that may or may not come to pass. Um, but uh, either way, you know, looking at, at using data to inform marketing and product decisions, I mean, that's, that's something that isn't going to go away. Um, that's something that's not going to go away anytime soon if it ever really goes away. It's just how you're doing it is what's going to change. And that gives us a lot of excitement because that allows us, uh, empowers us to, uh, to learn new languages, uh, coding languages, to learn new tools, to learn new processes of looking at data, of synthesizing data, of using data to tell really, really compelling stories about our clients' products and services. So that's, that's a pretty exciting future to look forward to, and that's, that's why we, we really, really enjoy what, we, what we're doing here in terms of uh, data-driven marketing. That's awesome. Sam, how do you want people listening to get in touch with you? Yeah, so uh, the best way to get in touch with us, um, our website is uh, futurity.com. It's just future with a T-Y at the end. Uh, so futurity.com, we got a contact form on there. Um, we're also on uh, Twitter and LinkedIn as well, so you can look us up and find us there. Fantastic. And then do you have any last bits of advice that you would like to share with our listeners today? You know, I think the, I think the big thing uh, that, that, uh, that I would uh, just advise all of, uh, all of our friends, clients, partners, um, you know, the, the, the world of, of data-driven marketing is admittedly kind of intimidating. I mean, I'd be completely bold-faced lying if I said we aren't intimidated by some of the tools and processes that we look at someday. Um, some days, but you know, one thing that, that we kind of suggest to our clients is, you know, you don't, you don't have to bite the whole thing off in, in, in one big go at it. Uh, sometimes the best way to get started in, in kind of that, uh, that world of, of data and data driven decision making is to say, let's, let's do one little thing. Let's try it out and see if it makes sense. And maybe that little, little project makes sense and gives us all the energy to go and do something bigger. Maybe the solution is to, to, to uh, bite this whole thing off as a bunch of little projects at once. So um, I think uh, overall, I would say, you know, the, the world is definitely moving towards a, a data-driven model uh, in how we make business decisions. Um, so um, it's best to jump on board now, but jumping on board slowly is definitely not wrong. There's definitely good reason for, for being very cautious about it and making sure that everybody knows what they're getting into. Well, Sam, thank you so much for being on today. I think you provided a ton of advice. It's going to be super helpful for our listeners to actually revisit and think about what they need to do with their strategies and with their CRMs and with all of the insights that they actually have at their fingertips that they may not actually be using right now. So thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Stacey, thank you so much. We're excited to be on, excited to, uh, to talk about this stuff. Um, thank you for, uh, for letting us be on. It's really our pleasure. Of course. Well, have a great day. Thanks, you too.